Hey everyone, this is Arts Underground. I'm Katie Ganaway. We have wandered over yonder today to the Athens Limestone Public Library to meet with library director Jennifer Baxter. She tells us about the four podcasts they produce here, including her cultural, educational, and community-oriented show, Between the Stacks, and how the library offers podcast lovers more than just an entertaining listening experience. Throughout the hour, you'll hear a few clips from from these shows that provide a virtual space to find surprising new connections to the Athens Limestone community. Jennifer says the concept of this podcast collective started with a special employee of the library whose exceptional professional background came into play when getting the ball rolling. We have an employee here named Alice who is the genius behind all of this and she actually spent some time working with Oprah which we were all very impressed by and I think the first time I met Alice and I asked her what do you want to do and she said well I want to make a podcast and I said awesome how do we do that so it's been 13 months since I got here and in that time it came from Alice as an idea and then we started researching what equipment we would need what software we would need and we knew we wanted to do a library podcast but we have an amazing archivist in Limestone County, Rebecca Davis, and she actually, she and Richard Martin, who is an 80-year-old citizen of Athens and knows all the things, have another podcast, and it was just a natural fit, and they do the Homegrown History, which is awesome, and, and I think it's a really great way to connect our community with some of the histories they may not know. And then we also already had an existing gardening program, and we have a garden that at the same time we're trying to cultivate. It's new, so there was just another perfect opportunity to get the gardeners into the podcast room to help us and the local community learn how to grow things in this particular area. How would you say that the library has grown since the podcast started? I think what you just saw, there's a currently the Mayor's Youth Commission has a teen podcast that they have created and just kind of got off the ground in the last month or so. And that in itself is a wonderful way that we have been able to start bringing people in to maybe cultivate and grow their own formula of how they want to communicate and using the library as a place to do that. Um, Also, we've had a lot of great guests on all three of our shows, so that brings them into the library. It cultivates relationships. It connects people together that ideas are coming out of the connections that people are making here, and that's what I'm really excited about. Have you ever had any experience doing anything with audio production or hosting a show yourself? Because you are the host pretty much of Between the Stacks. Um, I don't have any audio experience, but I do have a background in journalism, never professionally. Um, Actually, the reason I was so passionate about having these teens do the podcast is because I, in high school, the reason I have a journalism degree is because my favorite teacher had a journalism class, and you had to put it, fill in an application, like you had to be approved to take her class, so she approved me, and I just fell in love with information and communication, and I ended up getting my background degree in journalism, and I'm a talker, I'm a communicator, I love human beings, and I love information, so while I don't have any professional audio experience, I love talking to people, so it just kind of works. Let's start off talking about Between the Stacks because I want to know just sort of how the idea for that one came about because you've had, like you said, a lot of different guests on that program so far. 
Well, we knew for sure. We didn't plan on having three or four different podcasts. We planned on having a library podcast, and we wanted to be witty. So between the stacks, you know, <laughs> we have book stacks. We're always in the stacks, and what is between the stacks is information. Um, as a librarian, every, every time people hear that I'm a librarian, they're like, you must learn, love to read. And, like, really, actually, what I love is I love learning. So what better place to learn than the library? And I think what I see to try and encourage people to connect them to the resources we have here. This is a very popular method. And so we just really wanted to create a new outlet and a new avenue to get the library out into the community, whether they're coming in the door or not. You know, there are also a lot of people at this time during COVID that have had to stay at home and be separate from each other. And again, this is a way that we can bring people in and share with our community who we are, what we're doing, who the important people, the non-important people, all the interesting characters in town. That's kind of my idea for the podcast originally, again, going back to the fact that I absolutely love humans. And I think that we wouldn't be a strong community without every single person that's here. So I viewed the Between the Stacks as an opportunity to just get information out and get people in and talking and growing. And I see the library as an information hub. So we're connecting and growing through the podcast. And I kind of want to touch on that because I saw on the website, the mission says that you want to enrich the lives of all the people in the community, as you said, by providing services and materials in a variety of formats to meet their recreational, educational, personal, and professional needs. So how, does, how do these podcasts fulfill that mission? It's fun and it's lively and it's recreational, but it's also informational. And uh, I think that it just hits all the wickets, in, especially with the varying podcasts that we have and the different forms and formats and you know from gardening to history to literature to economic development you know we've had it all. I do want to touch on the the energy especially with the homegrown history podcast between Richard and Rebecca. Here in this area you're getting the Amazon Fulfillment Center you're getting the Mazda Toyota Center so with the population booming in Limestone County are you seeing that reflected in the library where patrons ask for new services or, you know, listeners of the podcast, have they suggested anything they want to hear about? So far, um, so we're, we're in a really interesting time, I would say. So I got here December 1st, 2020, right in the thick of COVID. So new leadership, new vision, brand new um, opportunity to create something from the ground up. That's kind of the way I've envisioned this and seen this as just a blank canvas because things had just halted to a stop. You know, so as society began to open up and pick back up, and I feel like what I see is I see a lot of new faces coming in. They're new to me, especially because I'm not from here. But we uh, we started in one area and focused really pointedly on youth, ser- youth services programming. And so we're starting to pull a lot of people in that way. And what we've done is we've just slammed them with new opportunities. So we have a Read to Dogs therapy program where kids get to read out loud to the dogs. We've created brand new family programming and then at the same time we're building these podcasts so I feel like the public is just like wow there's a lot going on over there you know and I think what I'm now I'm starting to finally see some benefits of that we just built the thousand books before kindergarten program that we're doing digitally so I don't know if we're giving them an opportunity yet to come up with ideas, but we, I know that we will. And as we start to grow relationships with our community and, and invite them in and give them an opportunity to speak and to learn and to grow with us, there's going to be a lot that comes out of that. That's how the, the Youth Commission podcast started, is I had the mayor on uh, Between the Stacks. 
And Holly Holman is his PR and marketing person and grants coordinator. And she was in the room and she was like, you know, I really feel like this might be awesome for the kids to experience. And so that in itself is a moment where we were just in the room together and an idea was born. So I I expect a lot more really cool things to come out of what we're doing. Creating a podcast is an art. And you have to, you know, with your goals, with this, these three podcasts, you have to balance providing education, but also providing entertainment. So how do you figure that, at least with Between the Stacks? For me, I love listening to podcasts. I'm also an audiobook listener, so I'm very auditory, naturally. And I also love humor, and I love connecting to people. So I'm very empathetic, and I have a, a penchant for putting myself in the other person's shoes. So again, I'm, I'm a communicator, so I always think of, how is someone going to hear this? What is the listener thinking when I'm saying this? And we have an excellent editor, too, in Alice. So she really cleans us up and spiffs us, spiffs us up. She cuts a lot of stuff out you know and sometimes we'll be talking and we're like Alice cut that out so um one my technology coordinator was like I absolutely love listening to the unedited versions because there's so much that happens that the listener's just not going to get to hear you know so I think there's being empathetic to your audience knowing who you're trying to reach and using our mission statement and our goals and keeping those at the forefront of our minds when we're building this programming and again I think as the library I like to pull in um opportunities for people to learn, learn information that we have locally, homegrown history, and then also maybe Alabama-based. We are scheduled to have the Poet Laureate of Alabama come in May, so she also agreed to be on our podcast as well. And I think, again, what a grand opportunity to connect our local kids. Um, You know, I think just last night I was out and about and somebody told me, there's a, there is a sixth grade teacher who is known for her poetry slams. So I was like, boom, right there. We have an opportunity to get these kids in and meet the Poet Laureate because I think, again, for me personally, a lot of what I'm doing is I want people to understand that they have an opportunity to do anything in the world that they want. I think it's so important to um, inspire people, to be them their best selves. And it doesn't matter what that looks like. It's their personal opinion about what they love and Where your love and your actions coincide is where you can start impacting your community. And again, this is a form and a method to start encouraging people to do that. Back to Between the Stacks, I want to know what is a moment in any of the interviews that you've conducted that stands out in your mind? What's really interesting, the pattern that I've learned, is there is a... There's a getting to know you formula in the beginning, and what's super interesting for me personally is when the microphone turns off. I've had so many connections and moments with these people as humans, and they've opened up to me and shared some really personal information, and it's moving. You know, it's, I feel blessed to be able to get to know humans and what their stories are, and I love that more than anything. Um, very poignant, deep, intimate moments that I didn't realize people were so open and, you know, not all of that is is going to make it on air because that's so personal. But for me, taking the pieces that are shareable and putting them together so that the general audience can know these people and find some mirroring, you know, I think that's what it's about is when you can see yourself and your story and someone else's story, that enables someone. So, you know, again, there are there are things I won't even tell you that they've told me, but I just am so appreciative of getting to know these people. Of the episodes that have come out with Between the Stacks, um, 
if somebody were to be a first-time listener, what episode would you tell them to start with? Would you say go in sequence from episode one or? Well, it's hard to say. They're all very different. And I think when I've had people come onto the show, they've said, I've, I listened to them because I wanted to prepare, but they're all over the place, you know? And I, I think that's beautiful because every person and every story is totally different. So the format's going to look different. My, my t- I have three favorites. Uh, now, sequential is probably important because they've grown and changed, but they're all standalone. And my three favorites, uh, we had um, Madeline Burkhart from the Rosa Parks Museum. That was a great interview. She actually did a program beforehand about um, the women of the Montgomery bus boycott. And so then afterwards, she came and did a podcast. And there were some personal moments, so it, it kind of wanes back and forth between the Montgomery bus boycott women and then Madeline's experience in working for the Rosa Parks Museum. And I think that's a really important story to share, especially here in Alabama. Um, my second favorite has to be Dr. Sherry Williams is the first African-American woman to um, earn her PhD in history from Auburn University. And she did her research on African-American women and farm girls from 1920 to and beyond. I can't remember the exact year. and I don't want to get it wrong. And she held a program. It was a Zoom presentation during COVID. And she held a program. Um, And basically, I was just so moved by her research because she was talking about how African-American women and girls during that time period were enabled and taught leadership qualities and kind of... um, learning that they have the aptitude and the capabilities and the skills to be leaders and be successful. So uh, I really appreciated that. Once I, I saw that these skills were there, but you just had to see it a certain way, mm-hmm. that's when it all started to come together for yeah. me. That makes a lot of sense. It's like you're saying, there is something more buried into this program that existed. And you talked about how this could be a model for today. I'm always thinking of public libraries, but to me, there's a comparison there because what we're doing here with libraries or many of the social programs that are offered out there is that we're trying to develop people. And you talked a lot about the kinship aspect and also the education being very important in African-American culture. Right. You know, the point I was making about how it could be a, a roadmap or a blueprint for us today And I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, A lot of these agencies I mentioned, they were trained at historically black colleges and universities. And Tuskegee was like the epicenter for a model for African-American extension. And that it just flowed out of the approach that Booker T. Washington used when he first became principal. And he had to recruit students. And his approach was he mounted on his horse and he rode out into these communities and he developed relationships with people, listened to their challenges and their needs and he took all of that and, and used it to develop a program and you know, one early example would be the movable school. My third favorite, I'm probably biased, but it's definitely the Shirley Jackson podcast. We kind of knew about Shirley, but then what we did is we read a a sampling of a lot of her work, and we did a deep dive on Shirley Jackson as a human. And when you start analyzing someone and you juxtapose that to their literature and the things that they've created, it's so much more interesting. Let's talk about the feedback from all three of these podcasts. What have you heard from your patrons? They absolutely love the history podcast. They are in love with that. And so we're learning as we go that 
Um, they they want to hear about their community. They want to hear about things that have happened in the past. They're very interested in the formation of our communities and how we came to be and the way that things were back in the day. So we've heard we've had a lot of great feedback on on that one. Um, as for the between the stacks, what I've heard mostly is. It's just really all over the place, which I'm, I'm all over the place, so that makes sense to me. But I'm hoping that as we continue to grow and move forward that people will start bringing me ideas of what they want to hear and what they want to learn about. So I want to know from you, Jennifer Baxter, what would you say is the importance of listening to both podcasts that are produced locally in your own hometown and you know, bigger podcasts that everybody listens to? Yeah, I think the importance is the locality. I'm a podcast listener, an avid listener of podcasts, and I learn a lot about um, information and books and trends and current events on the larger podcasts, but our podcast is built for us, and so our community is going to learn so much more of what's going on locally, opportunities that are available to them locally, um, things they can experience, people can they can get to know, whether that's right here in our hometown or 20 miles away or down in Birmingham. We try to keep it super local so that we are giving something that doesn't exist otherwise. Well, you mentioned Homegrown History. Let's talk about that podcast. So it is very entertaining to listen to Rebecca and Richard. That's Rebecca Davis and Richard Martin, if you haven't heard it already. It's kind of like a game of ping pong, but in your ears <laughs> listening. Um, what is their relationship? How did they get together as hosts for this podcast? Basically, they've both always lived here. Rebecca grew up here. I don't know if Richard's from here originally, so don't misquote me on that, but he's been here a very long time, and he's a character, and everybody knows him, and they already had a rapport between them um, as a as a individuals, so they had their own um, working relationship, and I think they've worked together on other projects. They're interested in the same thing. You know, they're interested in the history of Athens and Limestone County, so it was just a natural fit, and they have, an, they have that rapport over years and years, so you're getting to hear a relationship that has been built over time, and I think that's what makes it so much fun and so interesting is they, they work so well together. So they built this courthouse there on the square, and at the time, the square had six taverns and no churches all around the square. There were a couple people who lived there. I know there was one lady, um, Ms. Matthews, who lived there who made cakes and sold them out her window because one of the men who later went on to be an Athens City Council person got in trouble as a little boy because he stole one of the cakes out of the window. I don't blame you. I don't blame you <laughs> And so the people who lived there at the time, they'd have dog and bear fights out on the courthouse lawn, you know, catch a bear out in the woods, you know, chain him up with a bunch of dogs and fight to the death. I mean, it was brutal. And like cock fights, they had those out on the square. And horse races, Nick Davis, that Nick Davis Road is named after, he had horses and he and his cronies would all come into town. You know, he was big in Alabama state politics. You can probably talk about that here in a minute. But he'd bring in all his cronies, and they'd race from his place out in East Limestone around the square and back. So everybody would bet jugs of whiskey on the winnings, because if you think Limestone County has ever been dry, you got another thing coming. <laughs> That's right. This whole place was, was powered by rocket fuel back in the day. That's right. <laughs> and I'm not talking about the arsenal, no. but they would bet jugs of whiskey on the winnings. And, of yeah. course, everybody would get to gambling and fighting and drinking and kicking and a gouging in the mud and the blood and the beer. So it wasn't too long before the county outgrew the little jail there on the little log jail there on the square. And so had to build a new brick jail. So the county sold the older jail to a local guy 
Same guy who started the first school in Limestone County, by the way. I think it's Patterson was his name. And he moved that jail from one side of the square to the other, and he used it to house his pet panthers that he caught out in the woods out there. So if you think Athens is a boring place and there's nothing to do, you should have just been here 200 years ago. You know, they talk about some wild things, some fun things, and I wonder if you could tell us, you know, maybe how they choose that, or if you have any influence over that, Jennifer. Sure. I have zero influence over them whatsoever. I try to stay as far out of their way as I possibly can. Rebecca's been the archivist here, I think, for 10 years. She's a gem. Like, if, if people don't know about Rebecca, they should, and they should listen to her and Richard. They're just a wealth of knowledge. You know, they, again, I think what we're getting to experience is their life work and recording it for future generations. In the podcast, um, some more difficult topics are discussed, um, and they're not whitewashed. You know, they're not just glanced over and mentioned, you know. Can you talk to the importance of relaying Athens and Limestone County history without whitewashing? For me personally, uh, and I, I believe Rebecca and, and Richard are the same way, we are storytellers. We are truth tellers. We are information seekers and information sharers. And are you really getting the truth if you're not getting the whole truth? And I don't think there's anything wrong with having real and honest conversations. I'm a, a huge proponent of that open, honest, authentic conversation because it's the only way that you're going to learn. And that's consensus building, too. We're all going to have different opinions on everything all the time. That is the way the world works. And I think right now things can seem divisive because we are pulled in our, our, our camps but what happened to coming together in the middle and solving the problem? And if you don't have all the information, you can't possibly solve the problem. So whether it's uncomfortable or, or not, it's incredibly important to give factual information. And can you talk to the importance of preserving all history here in Limestone County with this podcast? What's, what's the goal for that specific podcast, Homegrown History? It is about preservation of history. Again, this is a new format. You know, we've seen podcasts burgeon over the last few years, maybe. You know, it started, what, 10 years ago, I guess, but it's really hit as a popular method over the last few years. And this is another way that we can make sure that we are preserving that history and pulling it out. It's one thing to have it on a shelf and hidden away back, back in a book, but what we're doing is we're, we're telling people, hey, this history exists. This is here. This is the work that we do. These are the things that are important to us, and I know that it's important to other people too. Two, it kind of goes back to recording the, a school of thought in a moment of time. They're taking history, and they're pulling it out, and they're analyzing it now, today, in 2022. And so that's important to look back at the way things were and talk about why it was, the way it was, and juxtapose that to the way that it is now. And maybe we can have that as a guiding light in 10 years from now. When, when school of thought has changed again, we've progressed more, and we take it out from the 1800s. We take out what we thought in 2022, and in 2032, we're like, wow, we've come a long way. That's exactly what I'm envisioning. I'm envisioning a, a, a progression into more learned, pliable, and kind people. And finally, talking dirty at the library. That's the <laughs> that's the Gardeners podcast here um, at the Athens Limestone County Public Library. You get gardening tips like pruning and soil testing and pest management, but you also hear topics discussed like sustainable agriculture, natural resources, and 4-H and youth development. So with spring around the corner, what is coming up on that show? 
Well, I know they are recording their future gardening tips. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm the antithesis of a gardener, like whatever <laughs> that is. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a plant killer. I don't want to be. I have a gray thumb. Um, they're trying to teach me how to keep my one office plant alive. So, but I think, um, I think really the importance too is at the same time that they're giving tips to local people. We're also utilizing this in our own garden here. Um, we talked about that a little bit where we just really opened our garden for the first time this past year. And that's been an ongoing process for like seven or eight years, which I think COVID affected that. So we are connecting our component from the garden into the podcast and back out into the community. And I think it's an avenue. There are a lot of people who love gardening. I mean, a lot. And that's a really good thing for COVID as well, because with the Omicron variant sort of rampant right now, that gives somebody like, oh, well, maybe I can do that. Maybe it's not so hard. Exactly. And, you know, I have that sentiment. I want to hear and I want to learn, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> but <laughs> I have a ton of people in my life who are like avid gardeners. It's for those people who want to know and want to learn and want to participate. You know, when, when you ask somebody if they know Alabama Cooperative Extension, they say, no, I've never heard of it. And then you ask them if they've heard of 4-H. And then, you know, the light bulb goes off. Well, we, we do the, pro, the 4-H program throughout the entire state. We reach one uh, out of three Alabamians every year. Our impact is, is pretty substantial. You know, our mission or our goal is to increase knowledge, you know, every day we wake up, we have the opportunity to, to positively impact the, the members of our community. And that's, that's our goal, whether it's to help them increase yield in a crop or, you know, help them have a better, uh, a more successful garden or to help them, you know, get on a, a savings plan through our uh, financial management programs. The Master Gardener program nationally started in the early 70s in the state of Washington. And within a few years, it, it spread um, worse than kudzu, um, <laughs> or better than kudzu, I'd say. It's a, it's a beneficial program. But in the state of Alabama, it got its uh, beginning starting in the early 80s mm -hmm. in Madison County. Um, and now today we have Master Gardener programs all over the state. There's, there's literally thousands of people that are trained through the Master Gardener program. And that's something that the county coordinators, uh, in conjunction with the home horticulture agents, um, conduct. It's a volunteer program, an educational program, where we train master gardeners to be an extension of extension. You name it, we, we discuss it. And it's a very in-depth, rigorous program that, that's not only beneficial to the gardener, but, but very beneficial to extension, and even more so to the communities in which the master gardener programs operate. We, we not only want to educate people, but we want to make sure that they're giving back um, using that education that they get from the extension program. There is an Ask a Master Gardener sort of session. Is it every month or every week? We try to do them on a schedule, but, you know, people's schedules are kind of all over the place. We're trying to put out one a month so that we have those tips for each month that are important to know at that time. And there is a, a component where you can submit your questions. We actually have gotquestions at alcpl.org, and you can submit any question in the world that you have and we might talk about it on the podcast we might do a section or we might just email you back with an answer whatever you need <laughs> the music for each podcast that bookends each podcast is different you know between the three of them um i wrote here that for between the stacks you have music that varies from classical to funky to fiddles 
um, and that fits each show, you know, the topic you're discussing. For homegrown history, you have folksy and nostalgic instrumental music. Um, and then you have like rootsy acoustic music for uh, talking dirty at the library. How do you pick the music? And I do wonder if there is a local element to that as well. Um, so really, it's Alice. Uh, Alice, we have a software program that she has access to, and she I've talked about it already, but she is incredibly meticulous. She's in, She is a wonderful editor. And every time, I always get to hear the episode before it releases, and I'm always like, wow, that's a good pick. I love it. Well, Jennifer, thank you for letting me come here and talk with you about these wonderful podcasts. And again, the collection is called Library Voices. Correct. Yeah, we wanted an umbrella to throw everything underneath it that we can possibly think of. And I think, too, to kind of encourage people that there there doesn't have to be just one. You know, you can make multiples. You can come in and have a podcast here. We actually just approved the podcast room uh, available to rent to the public. It's very inexpensive. It's $15 for the first hour and $10 for every hour after that. So we've, we've got this equipment for the, for the sake of the community, too, to say, hey, this is how we did a podcast. Come and do your own. I think that's the first time I've heard of an accessible podcast room at a library around here. That's amazing. Yeah, we're excited. And again, I think what the library is, it's, a, it's an information resource center. So if you want to do something cool like podcasting, come check out a book about how to podcast. We have them. And then actually rent out the podcast room and make one. All right. Well, thank you for letting me come here and talk with you today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Thank you.